0: Dogs of Warcry is a new podcast from the Mortal Realms, focusing on Warcry, a fast-paced cinematic skirmish game by Games Workshop. Join us for discussions on gameplay, rules, lore, painting, terrain building, campaigns, and events. In the first episode of this second season, we are reviewing the Tome of Champions, monster mashups, new challenges and quests, and the anticipated injury tables. Welcome to the Warband. My name is Eric, and answering the call with me this week is Josh and Paven. How are you doing, guys?
1: Excellent. Thank you very much.
0: Amazing. Happy New Year, uh, and welcome to the future. Sweet. Um, we still have War Cry. We still have uh, miniature games and uh, skirmishing. Lots of skirmishing. Indeed. Did you get some hobby in? Did you get some times playing games over the the holidays, or was that a struggle?
1: A little bit of everything. Got got some nice time down, uh, relaxed, and also got some games in. Got some hobby done. It was, it was really nice.
2: Nice. How about you, Pavant? Yeah, I was definitely struggling, um, but. I was able to get a little bit of hobby in and a couple games played as well. So I can feel good about that. Awesome. Very cool.
0: Well, we're going to, you know, welcome back all you listeners. It's another season. Um, we're going to jump right back into the things that we normally do to start off the episode. And you might hear a few new different things. We're stretching our legs. We're uh, growing into our, uh, I guess our Christmas sweater (laughs) and, uh, uh, get into the spirit of war cry with us to start it off we're gonna jump to the forge of Mythraxus. so th- we've we've all got a mountain of hobby that either we were able to get to or we've been itching to get to um uh f- over the season over the last few months since we last recorded um pavin why don't you kick us off with what you've been working on
2: well, first, I want to clarify for our dear listener who Mithraxus is, if they are unfamiliar. Mithraxus is the high overlord of the Iron Golems. So, his forge is where all they, uh, that warband tirelessly smashes together metal and other objects to make the weapons of war for one day for Archeon. Um, so, that's a, the rebranding of our hobby segment. You were
0: supposed to start that sentence with
2: actually, Eric. <laughs> oh, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. Uh Um, (laughs) So, yeah, what have I been working on? Um, I bought and painted up uh, the Chaos Sorcerer Lord um, to kind of pair with my Varengard I finished. I'm dipping my toe ever so slightly into the Slave's Darkness direction, and that was a fun, pretty quick project I was able to do. I also... um, you know, we're working on a new season with our, uh, our new campaign with our warbands. And I wanted to go kind of flood the board with my goblins. So I have added a lot of netters to my warband, which are the kind of the cheapest unit on the, that I'm able to add. And, but they all kind of blend together. So I wanted to, one, give them a fresh coat of paint because they deserve it now that they're in the warband. Um, but also I wanted a way to distinguish them quickly from each other because now they're all special and they have names and they have destinies. Um, so I went through and kind of gave them all a, like, a different pattern on their back so I could easily distinguish them. So that was a nice opportunity to practice a little bit of free hand and kind of see what works and what doesn't work. And then finally, I've started work on the Gabapalooza, which is a kit I've had my eye on for almost a full year now, um, since it was uh, revealed and released close to last Christmas. And, um, you know, I've started to work on that project. I, eventually I want to add every single one of those members of the, of those, those wise grots and, you know, mystic goblins to my war band. Um, so they all, they all have some base coats on them. I'm going to, I think I'm going to like paint the, the stuff that I know that I have a good recipe for. I'm going to do that in batch on all of them. And then I'm going to lavish some individual attention on each one of those models because they are so good. But that's where I'm sitting at.
1: That's awesome. A lot of good character on those models.
2: Yeah, there there they're might be my favorite kit over the last year, or in like 2019. Mm-hmm. Nice. How about you, Josh?
1: Yeah, I got a lot done, but uh, surprisingly. So, one of my uh, my final convergence for the the quest I was on required pieces from the corpse rack mausoleum set. So. I had picked up that box on a discount um, in back in November. So I was like, all right, great opportunity. I put it together. Um, I didn't glue all the crypts onto their bases yet because you got to paint the inside and everything first. But I got all those models assembled in time to use it for my convergence. I also uh, put together my Chimera, and I was able to use that in Challenge Battle and Tame the Beast. And I've been working on a, uh, a, a hobby, or a ride board of my own, Uh, imagination and design it uh, got one quarter concept kind of done so that was nice and uh on the side i also finished painting a a valkyrie model for my wife that i had lying around and had started and finally got it finished up so kind of just a representation of my hobby for her
0: very cool very cool uh i almost i've got plans to work on like a, a santa claus and reindeer thing with the um uh what are they the the Sisters of the Thorn, is that it? No. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and uh, with using those those deer, mm-hmm. um, I haven't got very far, but my hope is that I can create something that can sit in the living room during the season uh, cool. to kind of pull the pull the hobby a little further into the home. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I like that you've that you've made something for her that she'll be proud of. That's cool. Nice pro tip right there. Um, very cool. Um, let's see. Finishing up some end of the year projects. I didn't go hard with it. Um, You know, end of last year, last couple of years, I've sort of posted like a, "Hey, this is what I got done in the in the year." You know, this leading up to this, and I really wasn't feeling that because partially because I didn't. We're just in a new season. I'm doing a lot of different things than I have in the last couple of years. Um, So I've been working on a terrorgeist, uh, painting that up for our buddy Tim, so he can challenge it with his flesh eater corp. Uh, Warband. Um, I've been uh, rolling out the Stormcast this year, uh, or this um, this season. So I started them at the beginning of, um, I think I, just December. So I've, I've only got three or four games. I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but I've been, it's my first foray into contrast paints. Um, I've been, uh, I've got a Elf Caradhrin Overlords army uh, using a lot of Jukari ships from the and, and models from the 40k range, and I'm finally starting the big ironclad project. So that's kind of a fun thing for me to get excited for. Not to mention that the the Ko are uh, going to be represented in this next uh, few releases of for Warcry. So excited to put those guys on the table. Oh, um, yeah. I've always been trying to figure out should I play them as you know Idena Deepkin or should I play them as um, uh, sisters, um, no, sisters. Oh, help me out. Daughters it's, of Cain. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but you know, it didn't quite fit either of those. Uh, and then, uh, similarly with the kind of terrain and stuff, I'm dusting off the shantytown project that I'd started up, uh, with the, um, uh, with the MDF terrain. And I'll be talking more about that as I get more of that done. Um, and, uh, I, some of that I started doing some video work with, um, kind of showing it off for YouTube and I need to jump back on that. So, uh, that's what I've been working on. Awesome. That's uh, great. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, the holidays weren't, uh, with kids being off, uh, not having, you know, a lot of family coming through, et cetera. It's not like we have our same schedules that we always have kind of being able to get stuff done. Hopefully, we're all back into that and we can uh, start checking off our list. Our next segment, um, as we talk about the battles that we've fought, the kind of progression that our armies are making, uh, this next section, the Path to Glory, um, we're going to we're gonna talk about those things, fill you in on what's been going on with our war bands and uh, the kind of the context of our stories. Josh, do you want to kick us off? with uh, what's been going on in your path to glory
1: definitely the envoys of madness have been busy we've been searching for this crown and finally we got it you know finally completed my final convergence was able to get the sweet sweet armor that uh, lets my leader heal for damage that he causes i can't wait to try this out it's gonna be great i also helped a few other war bands uh, achieve their convergences i tried hard not to let them but as fate would have it, they they managed anyway, so it was good. Um, and I did have a, an interesting challenge battle. At first, I you know captured the Chimera, but I had an interesting challenge battle with my stepson where I played a zombie dragon. And uh, this is this is kind of where it would be fun to get some of your guys' input. But the zombie dragon and the terror guys' challenge battle is a little different where the, it, it summons skeletons onto the board every round. You start with uh, usually about three at the beginning of the round. And uh, so you, your warband ended up fighting the skeletons as well as the zombie dragon and the terrorgeist, and it proved to be much much harder than the other challenge battles against monsters have been. And uh, so it kind of sparked a, a question of mine. You know, of obviously I tried to play competitively, but I didn't want to be as, as Pavin likes to put it, the fun police. So I made sure I got the monster in there, and, and you know, so that that he had the opportunity to to kill it, and he just. Barely did it in the very last turn, so it was it, it, was, it was very cinematic, which is awesome. But it, but it did raise the question in terms of okay, well, when you're playing these challenge battles with somebody else, you know, it's kind of like convergences. You know, what are your thoughts and opinions on okay, well, do you push that monster in there as hard as you can? You play to have fun, or do you, you do you play to win so much so that you're trying to prevent them from getting the monster? What are your guys' thoughts?
0: I mean. I guess it's like anything else nobody wants to be given a win right Right. and i don't think that we we know these challenge battles well enough to know where the where the right punches are to pull or anything like that so i guess i would say you know just play your gut and you know what do you think payment
2: it sounds like you landed in a really good place if you guys had a close and fun game um I mean I don't think I mean this I I feel like we're we're mostly narrative players and yeah like it's like it's like as long as like it's fun like yeah go, go for it I think you know having the terror guys behave in a way that is less you know like a strategic genius and more like you know <laughs> a a, a, cre- a creature reanimated reanimated with the power of death that hates all things living um Or, I guess, other also all things uh, dead as well. Right, Uh, right. I think, I think feels right. Um, Uh, You know, I don't like, like this league isn't necessarily a competition. It's just like who is having fun. I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think it's a good question to ask. And I think you you threaded the needle here. It sounds like, well yep
1: yeah and that's you know it's just it's like this you know convergences we've talked about before but this is kind of the first challenge battle where it was it was it would be easy to prevent your opponent from getting the monster
3: okay. and
1: uh so that's why i thought it'd be good discussions for our listeners as well to think about uh, to ask themselves that question is like okay well do i play with the motivations of the monster or i play to make it fun and challenging or you know think about what your intent is and, and go from
2: there yeah so. I think there is a lot of fun to be had in overcoming a difficult challenge and not getting it on the first time, and so I think that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, but if you know your opponent just really wants to use their monster in their next game, I think maybe that's not the right place for that type of challenge.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. Got to gauge your uh, opponent, yeah. I suppose. Yeah.
0: holistically, yeah. That sounds like a great question for our listeners. So if you're following us on Twitter at Dogs of Warcry, uh, shout out us with your thoughts on. Uh, what the role of the of playing the challenge monster should be, how you should play it, um, or if you're listening to this or watching this on YouTube, do so in the comments below. Any other kind of progress on your path to glory, Josh?
1: Completed my quest, and so um, I did. I did do the challenge battle and, and dominated the Chimera before I decided to start over again to try out the new, you know, champion mode. Obviously, so looking forward to that.
0: Very cool. All right. Do you guys want to talk about my final convergence next? Yes. I mean, I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what was this? Uh, Mid-December, early December, uh, the Dogs of Warcry, Untamed Beast Warband, played their final convergence for the
2: third time. So, for the context for all of our listeners, Eric played this game like a month ago and has refused to, refused to tell me and Josh anything about what has happened. So, we've been on the edge of our seats for weeks now. But please, Eric. G- Josh thinks he knows. I think
0: I know. Um. Uh, but, so, I played a friend of the show, Ben, and he is kind of a, a new guy to our community um, but has been out um for League quite often. And he... What was great about so I played my first one against Josh. I played the second time against Paven, and we both. What did we say in the last cast that uh, I needed to find someone with you know like no no progress in their in their warband whatsoever. <laughs> so this is his second game, Ben's second game with Splintered Fang, and uh, so that means what that means is no uh, dominated territories, uh, no artifacts uh or maybe there's one artifact uh so. and and uh, yeah so like in in bare minimum you know 1000 points i had a full 1300 points <laughs> i had uh three dogs wow. uh, so three of my um uh, uh the the rock tusk prowlers
3: mm-hmm.
0: i had um the um what's his name the blo- slaughter priest uh with the uh with his 14-inch range stuff because uh what I discovered is that in this um uh and what is this called so you guys know this is called the feeding frenzy and again what it is is you draw a deployment uh, draw deployment is normal um it's the purge and i have to pick one quadrant and keep it a secret and at the end of the game i can have no opponents in that quadrant and and if i do that then i win um And as we kind of started out, the first few, two rounds were the most like fiddly, like I'm nervous, like I'm 300 points over my opponent and I'm sweating. Uh, I am moving the most minute. I'm double guessing. I'm like triple guessing in my head, trying not to take too long, but I'm like, oh, do I go here or do I go there? And along the way, uh, uh, Ben was just laughing at me because, because one, I had, I had all the points. I had all the artifacts. I had, you know, a special, you know, my, my, um, command traits and all that kind of stuff. And it came down to the third, uh, the third, uh, round. And I had my, um, my main character, my, you know, um, heart Ashidna, the heart eater. Ashidna was like charged up with a quad. Um, and, It came down to three rolls came down my,
2: so there was one guy left in the quadrant
0: there. There were two, uh, there were three of his guys in the quadrant that I had needed to get them out of. Oh, Uh, and the heart eater needed to kill one guy, which was, uh, his, I think one of his snake guys, like the guys with the snake around his neck.
2: Aren't they all snake guys? (laughs) The one with the (laughs) snake
0: around his neck. Oh, that's why I clarified. and then two um, uh, just kind of mid-tier guys. Um, and I had the Heart Render on one, or Heart Eater on one. I had my Slaughter Priest on another with one of his uh, abilities to do his spell. And I had one of my um, Rock Tusk Prowlers on another one. The the Heart Eater did his part. Took out the guy in kind of the middle corner of it. Go shoot that. Uh, the slaughter priest uh, uh, did his attacks and took out another one, and he had to—he um, had to use his then um, ability to attack the last one, uh, and he completely flubbed it. One hundred percent flubbed it. All along the way, <laughs> Ben was saying. Like, there's no way he's going to win. There's no way he's going to win. At the end of it, I got him to, I, on record, uh, <laughs> say, I needed more models to win that game. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a hard-fought game. It was uh, uh, just a, a sweater. Like, I was so nervous all the time. And it came down to one role not not working out in the end again. Oh. Again, uh, right this there. is this is this is a hard convergence. Um, it is, That's a very and hard. so uh, I, I, it's, it's, it's the only con, uh, um, only thing I could take away from it was to just keep it a secret for a while, uh, so it's not, <laughs> so it's not to to live the shame every day. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and so now you're playing Stormcast,
2: <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> throw all your guys in the garbage. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so a and the dogs of war cry are taking a break. Uh, and, and with the trial of champions, it was a great excuse to pull something else out and play that for a little bit before I, uh, I need to spend some time on this and figure out kind of, um, I did realize, that, you know, I do realize that I think it does take more psychology. Um, like you gotta, you've got to like fool your opponent a little bit. So, cause it seems like once they know, where it's at it's it's a hard one to to keep them out of so um yeah so any you you know so so give it to me guys give me the pain give me the 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 mockery no
1: no no, i feel bad for you that's a hard conversion (laughs) it was
0: it was a cool game it was a lot of fun and it came down i love that it came down to like the last couple rolls, um and uh and i'm excited to play it again like I don't. It's going to be a pretty cool day when that when I win that. It might be 2022, but it'll be a cool day. Season
2: four. (laughs) Season four. Uh,
0: But that saga will continue again sometime. All right. Um, uh, I will. So to to just real brief on the storm cast, they are going after the storm vault uh, to try and uh, get to it before um, they've been sent here. To, to get to it before any of their enemies can discover that it exists and that they're going to remove the, the powerful artifact from there and bring it back to, um, Sigmar. Um, my, uh, to, I, I my neck in the next episode, I'll introduce the war band, uh, more. Um, but, uh, just because I wanted to spend this episode covering it should not in his failure, uh, the great devourer should just devour him. Um, but uh, the Stormcast have been fun. I'll look forward to talking more about them and introducing them in the next episode. Payvind, how, uh, how has your quest been? How is, how is your path to glory?
2: Well, last we checked in with uh, Skitrag's Squig Squad. They were currently in the middle of one of the, they were a couple games into their quest, but we decided Toma Champions came out. And then that's really all I've been asking for. So we restarted, um, the warband. We restarted the quest. Well, we didn't restart the warband. We just started a new quest. We went down to the a thousand points. We cleared the roster, taking only like kind of the veterans with us on our new quest. And we started, um, there's a really great quest that I'll talk more about later in Toma Champions, uh, where you follow Lunar, Lunar Geist, the, uh, ghost moon and you know moon is totally on brand for the gloom spike gits and whether we're we're following it because we like it or we're following it cuz we hate it we don't know yet but we started over um, and we're starting to you know we're following the moon and we played a bunch of really good games in the first game um, i was playing against the splintered fang actually the the same ben we uh, friend of the show actually we don't know if he listens but uh <laughs> <laughs> uh same same opponent great opponent and um we were able to come up with a win but what happened in that game is shiv my second in command squig hopper who has the bile breath blue with the brew which is uh something you take a it's a potion that we brewed at the end of the our first campaign we completed the first quest we completed and you take a swig of it and then you kind of vomit disgusting liquid over everybody within the ability (laughs) dice inches and on a three up you can't move uh enemies can't move or and disengage anybody wow. within that race. very powerful autoback. who's definitely he's definitely i've used it to great effect a couple times um but he he got stabbed real good by one of the splinter Fang with one of their po- poison strikes taken out and at the end of the game i'm making injury rolls now because a big part of trial champions is injury rolls like when when fighters go down not only do they get removed from the roster and you have to buy them back um But there's also a large chance they can just not just die or lose favor, but be injured and their stats decrease. And so, um, Shiv took, took it in the gut and he actually got a gut wound. Um, so what that is is half wound characteristic and it turned out to be permanent. So now I'm, I'm I'm dragging this, this kind of sick and, 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 you know, gangrenous grot all over through my game. He's, um, but he's still got the bio breath brew. know we're still questing we're still moving forward i play eric with his stormcast another a really great game super fun game came down to the last term it was an assassination game where he was trying to kill skitrag Uh, actually i think it was for your first convergence and normally very hard to kill skitrag because um he you know he's got 10 inch move and he can just like bounce around and you can't catch him but with stormcast they can just shoot him from almost anywhere So he's really like dunking, ducking behind buildings. I'm like doing a lot of triangulation, like, you know, exploding bolts of lightning or like pounding away the, the masonry and the pavement around him. I think on the first turn you did like 16 wounds to him. So I was really sweating that game. Um, eventually I was able to keep him alive. Barely. He was surrounded. Um, I think you had like three shots to finish him off and they Mm -hmm. they happened to go wide. Great game. Um, but in that game, you took out you 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 know you shot you know my number one good boy bottle finder. You shot him off the board, and you also your leader killed um, killed Shiv, the second in command, um, who who only had eight wounds now. And I rolled on the injury table after that game, and both bottle finder, the good boy, had to bury him, and Shiv went down uh, to to see the you know the, the the great the bad moon in the sky. So to speak, I lost two key members of like kind of OGs from the squad. Uh, wow. but that's what I'm here for for Trial of Champions. I'm here for that like that emotional component. Yeah. In the load. Yeah. Um, you know,
0: so- and we grew, we grew closer because I had to console you with all that crying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it was. I mean, we've been. You've all around in the floor as much as I did, but you was know, <laughs> in the moment. <laughs> Um, I mean, every
0: everybody listening's known uh, bottle finder since uh, you know since early on. So
2: uh,
0: you know, pour one out for that guy. Like literally, pour out your bottle.
2: Yeah, pour out the liquid, pour out the liquid and then throw the bottle away. Um, right. the,
1: gets, the gets are coming.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you know, he could. We, we finished the bottle quest, so maybe you know, his his job on this earth was done. That's he was right. true world. That's true. Um, and it's all, it's all a bit tough because, like, I had to spend all my glory that I gained that game just, like, refilling my roster. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's cool. Like, one of the things they built into Warcry is kind of, like, the ebbs and flows of your Warband. So you don't just, like, exponentially get better into Infinity. Like, you get better some games, and then you, like, kind of hover on a midpoint because you'll also, like, get worse some games. Like, I was definitely worse off after that game than when I started, at least in Warband Power. And so it's yeah. cool that that's built in so we're not, like, infinitely strong. Right. Um, a couple other games, you know, we continued on our on our lunar quest. We had our first convergence, which was we have to collect the shards that are dropping from this ghost moon down. I played this against Josh, and um, the way that one worked out was uh, we were just able to win the first game because I just had all my groth swarm all the all the treasure, and uh, we just got it all. So that yeah. was sweet. It was a lot of measuring for one turn, but it was still like about a 10-minute game. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Super fast, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, the only other game was uh, i got to be the beast in for uh for josh's uh monster hunt yeah that was also a good game nice i would love
0: to i think you know we we've talked a little bit about it when we covered our um quest episode um uh, i think once we get some more of these games where we're either fighting challenge these challenge battles or like you brought up you know being the the monster um I, th- I think we're definitely in store for an episode talking about how those play on either side of that, uh, equation. Let's jump into our uh, previously our challenge segment, um, which we are now calling the circle of pain, uh, because we're not just here to push each other's hobby, but we're going to make each other bleed for it. Um, you, we wanted to, uh, at the end of the last season, we talked about our or shared about our challenge to each other to paint up one Varengard. guard. We put that out online for voting and we had it in our local store uh, up for a week for voting. Um, Paven, why don't you take us through uh, kind of uh, if you want to embellish on the challenge at all and then what our results, what we decided our win condition was going to be uh, as a recap and then the results of our uh, challenge.
2: I would love to, Eric. I also want to mention that the Circle of Pain is from Warcry. It is—we uh, took it from the Spire Tyrants' uh, Final Convergence as part of their, their quest, and it is um, uh, Guyver Cole's personal uh, gladiatorial arena. So it's like a, the final—the final battle for the Spire Tyrants takes place in the Circle of Pain. Um,
0: uh, Paven, I need you to start that sentence again with uh, actually, Eric, and I'm not going to tell you again.
2: <laughs> Actually our circle of pain as part of Guyver Cole's uh, a, a, per, a personal arena in, in, in the spire tyrants of Turnguard.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Uh, all right, take it away, Pavel. <sighs> um, so for our for our hobby challenge, for you know, they put you know, while we were all standing in the circle of pain, we were all challenged to paint up a Varengard. Um, just kind of any way we wanted to, and we were going to, you know, do our best to, you know, feel how a Varengard feels and think like a Varengard thinks and, you know, express that through our our hobby. And then once we did that, we put it on the Internet for you all to decide who did it best. And we also brought it to our local Warhammer store to get an in-person painting competition or painting judging uh, by the by just people coming through. Um, we had a really great responses from a lot of folks. Um Interestingly enough, the in-store and internet votes were almost completely different. Um, So, but thankfully, the there were so many more internet votes (laughs) to overload all the in-store votes. So as you can imagine, so um, I say that because I crushed it online and then was like a distant second in person. So I think I got I definitely won best pictures of the Baron Guard. Yeah, but I, I took that one home. Uh, Eric won in store because, um, you know, he probably, you know, buses in the senior citizens for voting. Um,
0: <laughs> hey, it's everybody's right.
2: <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, you, get a free, you know, I don't, hey, I don't know. What you promise those early people.
0: bird, early bird dinner coupons are <laughs> re- re- old, really cheap. The
2: old country buffet afterwards. <laughs>
0: discount
2: so but yeah we have it and so what we said the, the result of that is going well to be first a, go first ahead.
0: of all congratulations paven exactly. oh.
2: congratulations
0: that white armor scheme was fantastic and it, people definitely responded to it so it was very yep. cool mm-hmm. and josh you did great as well that color shift you are becoming uh really good with that so if you do more i'm excited to see an army of all that so uh and and thank you guys for participating in that and, and pushing uh, me
2: to to paint what I was
0: painting. So
2: yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. So what, what was the, what was at stake? What was at stake? We are going to play a three person game where I guess we haven't really decided on the exact parameters of that game, but there's some way my vanguard is going to smash your war bands. Yeah. I guess we can negotiate <laughs> on like what my advantage, how big my <laughs> advantage will be. I mean, uh, but we'll, yeah, we let's play this, play, play that game soon. And then we'll report back next, next episode. You yeah. know,
0: uh, no, it'll be very cool. So, uh, and to be clear, it isn't just, we line up our models and your variant gets to smash.
2: So. <laughs> I get to break them.
0: <laughs> but, uh, no, it was, it was real cool. And, uh, the circle of pain is going to be an ongoing thing. So this season we're going to, uh, we're already talking about what our challenge is going to be what we're going to be working on uh and we may put that challenge out to uh you listening if you want to participate um use it as a way to motivate your hobby uh your gaming etc so uh next episode we'll have more on that all right let's jump into uh the visions of madness Paven, would you like to explain where the name of this is coming from
2: Oh, I just thought it sounded cool.
1: <laughs> As a representative of the Cipher Lords, I think it's
2: perfect. <laughs> actually, on page go to flip to page forty-seven of the core rulebook. No, I, I don't have one actually. But. All right, all right, all right. So we're going
0: to talk about a few things. Uh, first, uh, we those of you who have signed up for Adepticon war cry narrative event uh in the gibbering dome uh we've uh got a uh, some notes started we've got some plans begun uh the machinations of of those of us on the podcast and and paul um have started and we are very excited uh march uh adepticon is march 25th through the 29th our event is gonna be happening on the 26th that Thursday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, you can get on the waiting list. It is a bit long, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. But even if you're not playing in the in the game um, or on the on the list, please, if you're at Adepticon, stop by, say hi, um, check out what we're doing, take pictures of it, and uh, hopefully, um, yeah, we'll just get to meet you and and share our love with war of Warcry with you. So, um, anything to add on that, Josh, for for Adepticon?
1: No, I think that's perfect. It'd be great to see people and meet people. Definitely.
0: Awesome. That's why you go, right? hmm All right. Let's talk about um, a few other things. Um, Josh, do you have the December White Dwarf or Pavin? Uh, either of you got that to cover?
1: Yep. Yeah, I do have it. And i uh, be happy to touch on our, our war cry bits in there. Um, as, as many of you probably know, they're a uh, Gautrich uh, oh,
3: Yeah,
1: I always get that yeah. last name wrong, so I had to double-check it's it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly but uh, th- but they came out with a war cry card for him in the December edition as well as two scenarios in which you can encounter him in the eight points he's of course still looking for his axe and his friend and, um, and you know he- he's looking for some excitement along the way so the first scenario has him fighting a bunch of monsters and if you're either playing an uh, order or destruction alliance um, then you get to help him beat these monsters. And there's just waves and waves of monsters and you get a number of glory based on how many monsters you and Godric can kill. Um, And It's unique because he gets to use three abilities in that particular scenario. And and the other scenario is for the Chaos and Death War bands where Godric is picking a fight with you and you get glory based on how many rounds you survive. (laughs) And he can activate three times in a round. So he's quite potent and Theoretically, could kill up to you know five or six models in a round, depending on how many actions he gets. So it looks like it's be a lot of fun to try, and he's he definitely looks like a beast.
0: Fantastic. All right. Anything else? We recently had an open day, Paven. What did they uh, share about Warcry
2: there? So not too much. They mentioned that the three three of the models were really excited for the uh, Ogroid, uh Pit Marshal. The Spheranx and the Fomeroid Crusher are all uh, coming soon. So we knew those models were coming. We knew they were coming relatively soon, but it seems like we are mere weeks away. So that's exciting. What else will come with those? We don't know.
0: Right. And we're still waiting to see what the um, Science of the flame look like. And I think everyone's on on pins and needles waiting for that. Alright. Now that we've talked through um the Forge of Mithraxis. We've discussed our paths to glory, and we've spent a little bit of time in the circle of pain and in our visions of madness. Let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll address our victory condition as that and that is covering the tome of champions. We'll be right back. Season two is here as promised, and we're excited to bring you more Dogs of Warcry. We have new monsters and war bands out in the next few weeks. We are going to be experimenting with a few warband deep dives, we'll be revealing more of our plans leading up to Adepticon, and of course our progress running our local league. We're thankful for all the encouragement and feedback, so keep it coming! We did record a holiday crossover with the hosts of the Mortal Realms story phase in What The Hecks, and we did release it on both of the other streams, but I was enjoying my break too much to get it loaded here but that means that you'll get an extra episode next week and then Season 2, Episode 2 in two weeks' time. Again, thanks for listening and welcome to 2020. Welcome back. Our victory condition for this episode is to cover kicking off the year with our discussion about the Tome of Champions, what it includes, and how we feel about these editions. Now, we haven't played everything. We haven't uh, uh, had a chance to playtest test. Uh, or try out everything so these, some of these things are initial thoughts uh, we have spent the most time in one aspect of that and it, that is the um the trial of champions uh, uh stuff for for the new rosters and stuff but we'll talk about that when we get there the tome of champions starts with an open play section and um a couple of cool things you wouldn't think you know the open play sometimes in other uh, books like this bring up things that are kind of fun and interesting ways to play. Um, they're kind of, I would say, I don't know what the right word is. They're they're novel. Uh, so this is a place to kind of put interesting and novel uh, things that you can choose to add to your games or not. Um, it's not quite narrative. It doesn't really push forward narrative. But one of the things that they added in this Tone of Champions from the open play section is, is ways to set up terrain outside of using the terrain cards in the battle deck. And um, they have a couple of interesting things here. One way, uh, they have a table, a terrain generator, that lets you um, roll a kind of a D3, and based on what you roll and whether or not you have a large... Um, uh, it. it Basically lets you find out whether or not you're going to roll a sparse table, a medium terrain table, or a, a, a table full of dense terrain. Um, and whether or not you're going to put uh, large pieces on there, small uh, pieces, etc. So it's an interesting table. It lets you move through. The other um, setup, um, they, they also mention being able to create your own terrain deck, uh, which is kind of interesting. You put out um, kind of a layout and then you use a, a deck of cards and assign each Card, um, one of those uh, setups. It's kind of interesting. It's a little labor intensive, I think. And so it's not necessarily one that I was like, ah, I'm going to jump into that one. Um, mm-hmm. But we kind of did w- it.
1: We kind of uh, did it for the Hunting uh, Spires event. So it's kind of what you think of
0: that. Uh, I don't, I think it would have been more effort to make a random version of that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did do, yeah, 36 uh, terrain sets up, but setups. But yeah, I, I wouldn't making a deck out of that would be a little bit harder, I think.
2: Yeah. Um, they also mentioned you can just make a a, a table with a die sixty six on it, as opposed, so you don't have to actually like physically make cards. Sure, sure. Although physically making cards is cooler. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but the one that I think is the most useful out of this is the first setup, and that is um, one person uh, gets to set up a table, make it really cool make it feel like their realm. One of them is a storm vault that's been dominated by corn and, you know, has a corn altar on top of the storm vault terrain. Another is kind of uh, crude symbols of Gorka Morka over civilization debris, you know, conquered by orcs, you know, and another is a mysterious realm gate, uh, over a, str- a shrouded storm vault. Um, but basically, so when one person gets to set up the terrain as they see fit, it gives the other person the ability to take when they flip over the uh, deployment card. They get to choose the orientation and who, uh, which, which player gets which color. And I think it's a really interesting way um, of giving one person the ability to set something up ahead of time. Like if you're playing at home, if you're playing, you know, uh, at the store or wherever, and one of you gets there earlier, you set up the terrain, and the other one um, gets to pick the the deployment. Um, we have a rule in our house when you have, like, the last cookie or the last piece of cake. One person splits it and the other person gets to pick which side they get um, to kind of help keep it fair. Um, and I think that this is a really good kind of – not only is it good for, like, planning and getting a game set up ahead of time, etc., but it's a good way of kind of um, – it tells you that if you, if you plan it too far uh, to the advantage of one side or the other – possibly your opponent is then going to be able to use that to their advantage because they get to pick the deployment. Whereas if you set it up where it's pretty even and interesting for for no matter where on the table you are, then it's fine for your opponent to have that choice because the tables would be fairly fair. Um, So I think that was my favorite of those three. It's a really um, kind of cool tool for for getting out of maybe the cards and doing something a little more themed. So uh, did you guys have a favorite... Uh, method in that
1: Uh, i like them all i think they're all you know certain situations favor you know some of the others you know i do enjoy setting up thematic table once in a while and then just saying let's just plan this one it looks awesome let's go for it
2: yeah i yeah we've certainly done architect of fate just in games just like setting up a cool table and just going from there Uh Um, i do like the idea personally of creating my own randomized deck of cards based on all of the terrain I have just like what I have at my house and then going from there because the current deck I can't that came with the Azurite ruins doesn't necessarily incorporate the other pieces of terrain I own like the loon shrine. And I'd like a way to like randomly generate that as well. So that sounds like a cool fun project for my home gaming emporium, but I play a game at my house probably once every you know, year and a half. All right, uh, Josh, why don't you introduce us to
0: the monstrous melees?
1: I'd be happy to. So one of the other interesting sections in the open play part of the book is this idea of a huge monster brawl, you know. So you get up to 2 to 6 players can bring a monster, set it up on the table in uh, in different corners, and you know, two in the center and then one in each corner. And essentially you're you're trying to fight to see who's the last monster left. So this is kind of a very uh, Godzilla, you know, cinematic battle sort of situation. And uh, the uh, you know, most of the the Warcry rules are the same. But they do add a a couple interesting elements, including stamina. And stamina points just allow you to potentially go again once you've done an action. And um, they do bonus stamina for every 20-point difference between your monster and another person's monster. So that they they try to even it out that way. So even though somebody may have a more expensive monster, you may get more abilities or chances to activate and um and and that kind of regenerates every round as well But so, so but overall it looks like it could be a lot of fun you know if, uh, in one of these days everybody brings a monster and just go at it and see what happens
0: um looking at the deployment of that um one of the things that i kind of wish they'd come out with is like a circular deployment mm. so you had a much more uh, equal kind of distance from each other whenever yeah. you have like a, a rectangle when you're in the corner you're or when you're in the middle, you, you're a little bit, like, surrounded. It feels like you're a little bit at a disadvantage. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, the other thing is thinking about, like, the stamina is a really interesting... I was just it's looking just, at the... The Saigor. The Saigor I thought was kind of a, a weaker one, but that's not a... The points are still up there. Yeah, right? three tw- I think it's three. Two 295. Yeah, 295 yeah. for the Sigor. Cy- 350 for uh, the geist. So that's going to be, you know, like a, a two point or 40 point difference or over mm-hmm. 40 points, but you get two stamina. Um, so that's going to give you the ability to, you know, strike at that terror guys a couple of times, maybe if you're fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I'd be interested to see if there's other, if the new monsters that come are lower points and they have more stamina or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, it'd be, it's, it's it's an interesting <laughs> concept. I'm excited to, to see if that plays out the way you the way it promises to,
1: and, and one of the other aspects they added is this: uh, during the attack action, when, when you actually attack another monster in melee, you have to grapple first. And so there's this, again, a, more of a cinematic feel where these monsters are wrestling with each other, and then depending on how that plays out, you either
0: get to attack or you lose your action. So it's kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah, so we got to get some monsters uh, finished, built, and painted, and. And out on the field for that. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we're going to jump to the narrative place section. Um, and in the narrative place section, it uh, gets us, uh, one of the first things it does is it gets us into the new war bands that are going to be joining Warcry uh, in the coming year. Paven, why don't you introduce us, um, uh, recap for us who, which war bands are joining. Um, and then we can start to pick off kind of some of the ones that are our favorites. Mm-hmm.
2: Heck yes, Eric. Here we go. To recap, 15 of these bad boys coming through. We don't know when they're coming, but here's the list. Stormcast, Warrior Chamber, Slaves to Darkness, Ossiarch Bone Reapers, Ogre Maw Tribes, Caradron Overlords, Disciples of Zinch, Skaven, Sacroscient Chamber, Beasts of Chaos, Fire Slayers, Sylvaneth, Blades of Khorne, kin of Nurgle, Heed Knights of Slanesh, and Seraphon. Thank you. Cool, cool. Um,
0: I'm going to get us started. The one I think I'm most excited for is the Corrodrin overlords, um, because, um, I think they're, I mean, they're obviously one of those war bands, uh, those armies that, uh, seem so interesting and, and, out of the blue for age of Sigmar. Um, and to, they're so opportunistic as a, as kind of a corporate army. <laughs> um, and the, the quest that they have in the Tome of Champions is called A Bad Investment. And it's, it's it words like this, introduced like this. The Blazebeard and Sons company is known for its risky endeavors. Their latest undertaking was to send a team to, of Arconauts to the Eight Points to field test their new invention, the Realm Splitter Fusil. Unfortunately, the Arconauts were shot down in the Bloodwind Spoils. The lost personnel is regrettable. The loss of the Fusil is disastrous. Now the blaze have hired you to recover the prototype before the Geldred catches wind of this whole sorry affair. So, um, it's, it's them getting into the eight points cause they had, were testing something like, they're like, Hey, you know what? The eight points are a pretty crappy place. I bet you we can drop bombs here. Um, and, uh, and, and see, see what our tech does. Um, and th- they're in trouble now. So I think that's a really cool hook for bringing the KO into the space. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Josh, what was one of your favorites?
1: Uh, so my, my favorite, actually, I actually, stole from Eric, um, but
0: <laughs> it's all right. There's enough ogres to go around.
1: <laughs> exactly. But, uh, I thought this was, this was my favorite just because it was, it was so funny to me. And, uh, as, as many people may know, ogres are well renowned for having a, an endless appetite and uh, that's, that story is no different here in the eight points. And, um, apparently your ogre war band has heard, about this uh, powerful broker within Karngrad called Larthier the Gorged, who's holding a feast in his own honor. And uh, you think there's going to be a huge buffet of really unique flavors that you can't find anywhere else. And so you end up heading there to crash the party and and eat some unique things. So it's just hilarious. It's called Platter of Karngrad. And uh, it looks like it would be a lot of
2: fun to play. Very cool. Paven. did you have a favorite? My favorite quest is for the warrior chamber, Vengeance of the Storm. So I'm going to read the uh, the flavor text here. Sigmar is not known for his mercy, yet still there are those who turn their backs on the Lord of Azir, swayed by the whispers of the dark gods. Tormin Eklengi is one such man, a former priest of Sigmar who has sworn himself to chaos. Eklengi has fled to the Eight Points in the hopes of escaping justice and has enslaved his former congregation in the process. Track down and destroy Aklendi in the God King's name, then free his flock from their shackles. So what I th- what I think is cool about this one is, uh, I really like the aspect of Age of Sigmar where the kind of the good guys are on the offensive and that are like invading and like crusading amongst the, the realms of chaos. And so this allows you to play that fantasy with your stormcast, with your liberators and your retributors, or you know whatever model range you're allowed to use uh, for this warband and kind of like hunt down and destroy this evil priest. And so I think that's that's dope. Yeah. It's <laughs> fun. Uh and like you said there's there's 15 of these
0: um so I you know I am excited for like I don't know what my next warband is going to be. I thought I was going to work my way through all the chaos warbands uh and just you know be methodical but <laughs> man there's so many Kind of uh, head turns to uh, what the new warbands could be, and and a chance to like the Fire Slayers one. I've, I've loved the idea of painting some of those up, but
3: mm-hmm.
0: not interested in a full army. Uh, it'll be be cool to be able to you know maybe try those out or something else.
2: Definitely. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm super pumped. I I just I want them to give the rules and the and the miniatures to us <laughs> right now. So. Right now. I don't know when now. that's happening, but <laughs> Yeah.
0: All right. Then along with uh these new warbands, so these new these uh new warband quests, we have new faded quests. Josh, uh introduce some of these uh faded quests to us.
1: Definitely. And um so uh, you know, uh, Monsters and Mercenaries also introduced a, the first concept of Fated Quests, where you can choose glory or honor as your final quest reward, and either gives you an exalted command trait or a powerful artifact. And and these quests do the same thing. Um, I'm just going to state that one of the things I really enjoy about these books is, you know, the new Fated Quests and as well as the new uh, quests for all the different factions – Continue to add little bits of information and flavor of the eight points and the, the things that are in the eight points and the pair, the people and the characters. So, just just in terms of just reading that content is really interesting narratively to gain more lore. And these faded quests are, are no different. They they have again uh, you know you have command traits and artifact of power, unique convergences, and then you get an exalted command trait or a powerful artifact, and uh, they work just like they did before and and again add some really unique flavor and uh, insight into certain parts of the of the 8 points. Uh, one of the ones I enjoyed the most was called the uh, the pursuit of knowledge and it's for the uh, um, acolytes of zinch. Um, and it's not or it's not for them specifically but you are your warband has been hired by a cabal of mages to track down three other chaos grimoires. And then you have to decide at the end of the quest, after you track these down, is do you give all of them to the cabal of sorcerers? You know, what are they gonna do with all four of these very powerful artifacts? Or are you gonna keep them for yourself or you know, and, and it's, it's a really interesting story that, that kind of leads to this moral dilemma at the end, and you've gotta decide what you're gonna do with it. So but as, again it's insight into some of the politics and 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 power and artifacts that are at play in the eight points.
0: Paven, did you have a favorite?
2: Oh, yeah, of course. To be on brand, uh, my favorite was The Whispering Moon. And uh, I'm just going to straight read the flavor text again. On the darkest nights, the shadowy moon known as Lunar Gas stalks the size. First seen during the time of tribulations, this grim celestial body is a most ominous omen. For Lunar Gas grants and steals secrets alike. Though its truth, the truths it imparts are always of a haunting and mind-shattering variety. Whole kingdoms have been brought low through the dread knowledge imparted by this sinister force. I continue. Very rarely, lunar gas can be observed making orbits through the crimson skies of the eight points. Some say that it dances at the ever-chosen's command, while others believe it flees from its eternal rival. The bad moon of the gloomspite Gitz, shout out to my my Gitz, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: where the lunar gas passes, madness and opportunity blossom alike. Follow its lunar path and learn the moon's secrets. So what I like about this quest is not only that it's about moons, which are cool, but this is a this was a narrative kind of outcome of the uh, malign portents campaign from two years ago where players got to participate and vote on like kind of different options the narrative could take. And one of those options were like, oh, there's a bunch of bad omens. What are we, what are you going to do? Are you going to like listen to the soothsayers? Are you going to, you know, protect, you know, get, make a bunch of wards? Like what is, what is society doing with all of these bad omens that are coming out and all these, you know, doomsayers, you know, uh, uh proclaiming the doom. And so what the community decided to do was kill the seers. And so there's a mass, um, and I really hope I'm getting this right, but there was like a mass kind of a murder of all these seers and wise folk and wizards and priests that were all proclaiming the end. And they were like kind of killed in mass and that summoned this uh, this the, the kind of that terrible act summoned this moon as a direct result of kind of player interaction with GW. And it's nice to see this moon come back in further publications and be like a consistent part of our kind of narrative universe. Yeah.
1: I think that one of the other uh, um, Faded Quests also ties in a little bit of Shade Spire with a mention of Shade Glass. So, again, they kind of like taking little snippets of lore and integrating it further into the universe is really nice.
0: Yeah. One of the ones that I was uh, really glad to see was there's one about defending your crown, that you're a pit fighter that's kind of... uh, reached a certain peak and has to go around and make sure that you kind of stay at the top. Um, so it's kind of a cool, if somebody's either the Spire Tyrants or you just see themselves in their narrative in that kind of pit fighting uh, arena, that that's a kind of a really cool one as well. Uh, how many of these uh, new fitted quests are there? I think there are seven, eight, or seven eight. or eight. Yeah. got am going to count them up again. Um, so there's just a, a lot of kind of similar yeah, things that we saw in the the monsters and mercenaries, but just adding even more. The next section in the narrative um, uh, part of the book is new challenge battles. Now, the challenge battles in, in monsters and mercenaries had most to do with monsters. And there's still some kind of monster elements to these. But one of the things that they did a little bit different was to use the little terrain objective markers found in the, or that is at the shattered dominion objectives. And it's things like there's a sarcophagus. There's a a pile of uh, the ensorcelled army, which is a pile of like storm cast weapons. There's the trove of arcane glory, which is a a treasure chest with books and, uh, you know, astrolabs and other tools in it. There's the realms ransom, which is a treasure chest with gold and, and other baubles. There's a realm vault key, uh, which looks kind of like the uh, penumbral engine on top of a, a gear type uh, lever. There's an uh, iconoclast axe, so uh, you know a corn type axe tearing down a statue. And then there's a soul stone. Uh, and all of these objectives uh, markers these they've been out there for a long time for just regular old use, um, but they've pulled those into war cry and say, hey, theres this, we can wrap a story around each of one of these. And so there's a there's uh, challenge battles that cover each of these. And was there uh, any of these that really uh, jumped out to you?
2: Uh, I guess first, holistically, I really like these challenge battles that are tied to miniatures and projects. I like kind of the tight coupling of um, of like products to um, like gaming opportunities. Um, It makes it feel like there's like kind of a straight line between like what I'm working on my hobby and then what I'm going to be able to do with it. Um, So it's nice to have this set that I can, you know, increases my options and to create like really good looking battlefields that have like a a strong narrative around it. But the one I like the best is the ill-advised expedition It's the one where you have kind of a wizard that's way way in over his head that is, you know, trying to like navigate the. The eight points probably the, one of the most dangerous places in the mortal realms, and you got to keep this like bumbling rich kid from killing himself before he can pay you. that um, <laughs> just feels like a fun, a fun scenario, a little lighthearted for Warcry, um, but also seems like you know the objective is this wizard, so your your opposing warband is trying to capture them. Um, so you're just pre- trying to prevent your what your cash cow from getting kidnapped.
0: Mm-hmm. Josh, yeah. which one was your favorite? Um, you know, I have a.
1: I think my my most favorite thing is that uh, these challenge battles add again another way that you can buy a few models that you don't want to start a whole army, but have really liked and want to paint up, and and you can use them in these Warcry challenge battles. And I think that's really cool. You know, some with skeletons, the other has squigs and trogoths. and then there's a couple with whole warbands of corn or or zinch. So I like that they continue to introduce ways where you can just pick up some models. And don't need a whole warband or a whole army, and you can still use them in these challenge battles and add some unique twists to to what you're fighting in the a points.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I um, I really like kind of the the stretching and, and finding out what else is is possible, what else is plausible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they bring some of these other models into it that uh, um, yeah, you might not pick up otherwise, but it gives you a reason to. They're they're all awesome mm-hmm. models, and it yeah just changes up what what's possible in the game so new experiences some of these ancillary things these are kind of trial by choice as the the theme continues throughout all of this these are just options that you can add experiences that you can check off on your roster the next one we're going to talk about is the one uh that we've been kind of chomping at the bit for and really excited when we heard that it was part of that and that is the trial of champions and to walk us through what the trial of champions is, I'm going to hand it over to Pavend.
2: This is kind of what one of the things I've been waiting for since day one is just like a slightly more level of granularity for our war bands, ways to kind of make things more, increase the stakes, make each individual fighter more important. And, you know, I specifically asked for more tables to roll on, and this where foot with uh, trial champions, a chock full of tables. Um, so uh, let's let's take us through. Can any, does anybody want to talk about kind of the big differences for how we set up our warband first? Yeah, one of my favorite things about
0: um, Warcry is the roster idea, and as we mentioned at the Plunging Spires, we were trying to make it have higher stakes. Um, so we took it from twenty down to 15 they We're like, hey, can can that make it harder to, you know, if you lose somebody, it's 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 harder. What Trial of Champions does is it. You don't get to fill your roster with the full 20 or, or any top number. It's on points. So you start with a roster of 1,000 points. You put those models in your roster um, same way as you do typically except you have to buy more spots or you have to buy more warriors as you earn glory. Um, and so the roster is very much starts very sparse. And what was really interesting Doing that for the first time was trying to figure out uh, a difference between, you know, uh, you can start with a theme and say, hey, I want this kind of warband to start off with and then build into more variety. Um, you could start off building kind of a well-balanced warband and then um, kind of, you know, putting kind of everything you need in or trying to find something that you need and, and put that together. Or what I, <laughs> what I was... An interesting thought to me was do you overload it with kind of your, your more more important type of warriors, the ones that cost a bit, um, and then it's easier to pick up cheaper models along the way. you know? Um, and one of the things, so from, from 1 to 100 points, uh, you, if you have a model that's 1 to 100 points, you can spend 1 glory to put it on your roster. If it's 100 and 1 to 200, it's 2 glory uh, up to 300, then it's three glory up to over 300, it's four glory. So there's just so much that that added to the raw, ro- the kind of list building and roster management that I, I really enjoyed and was, a uh, I don't know, just really added some stakes to the roster that I, I was in favor of.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. It really makes it so like, these are the guys in the war band. It's not just kind of a, an infinite like kind of list of guys that are replaceable. Um, like you have, you, you make a trade off when you add somebody or remove somebody like you know, yeah. you're less, you're, you're less, you're moving more slowly towards your dominated territories or rules in the lesser artifact table. Cause it's all coming from the same glory currency. Yep.
1: Well, and I think it's, I think it's, you know, narratively it fits you. You're, you're earning glory and that glory you're spending with in quotes and, and more, war, more warriors join you. You know, that makes sense. Right. So
0: absolutely. Um, to put a to put one other aspect of like difference for me personally is it in the previous narrative play roster I would wait to name somebody until I felt like they'd done stuff. Uh, here I named them right away um, because they were already important. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like like I already <laughs> didn't want to lose them so. <laughs>
2: Josh, um, another thing that this Trial of Champions does is it adds more detail to territory control, so dominating territories. You want to uh, talk to uh, talk to us about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, no. So I think um, Anik, you know, we've always interested in you know what what lies in the eight points, and uh, what Trial of Champions does is when you dominate a territory, you get to roll on a chart, and then you may or may not find something unique within that territory that you've dominated. It could be old ruins, chaotic nexuses, or
0: tombs,
1: and uh, and they can give you a bonus glory or other bonus unique aspects to that particular one-time bonus for that territory once you've explored it, which I thought was a really nice twist and also kind of opens up ideas for map-based campaigns where certain territories might have be favorable benefits or not. It, you know, opens up a lot of possibilities, I think, in
2: my mind. I would like to talk about uh, injuries. So this is another way the stakes are raised. So what happens when your warriors get taken out of action before trial of champions, is kind of either they could die low chance of dying, but they could die um, or they could lose. If they had destiny, they could lose it for many fighters that didn't have destiny. This was, this was a kind of a meaningless thing to happen or, but generally fighters were fine. Adding injury roles, um, there's now a, a, a higher likelihood of something bad happening to your fighter after they are taken out of action. So not only is the option of dying still on the table, but also they could be hampered in some way with either permanent or temporary injuries. So what you do now is you roll on a, on a die 66 table, and about half the time something bad happens. So, but, uh, so on, it's still kind of a minor percent chance that they, they, they are slain. Um, but also there's about, you know, a 14 to a 23 are all injuries. So it could be a gut wound, which is half your number of wounds characteristic minus one attack. These are, um, you know, blinded in one eye, cracked rib, just different kinds of things that can happen to your fighter. And because that each, each of your fighters is important for your roster, um, you can't just like swap them out if they're injured. Sometimes you could, you could bench them if you have a deep bench, but sometimes you don't and you just got to play with injured fighters. Um, and this is one way to just kind of make each fighter more important and tell a story with them. Like I had, uh, Shiv, one of my most important fighters take a gut wound and that reduces effectiveness from there on out and kind of mm-hmm. made it more individual and more interesting and until then killed. killed completely <laughs> by, uh, by, um, by the Stormcast Warband.
0: war band. Um, and I think, um, I want to say that they do the tables really right in this, uh, injury table. Um, because like you said, it's, this one has depth to it in that every single dice roll feels like you're on your edge and it gives you uh, multiple dice rolls to do. So the first is obviously your tens position, right? You roll your first one and it gives you your spread, right? Am I in the top or the bottom? Did I, if I rolled a one, I know that my next dice is like, I know that I'm already kind of screwed, you know, screwed a little <laughs> bit.
2: <laughs> Oh, that that one initially is a high tense situation because uh, once you roll that first one, 50, 50, whether your guy lives or dies. Yep. So then that's a high emotional dice roll
0: after that. Absolutely. And then, um, you know, you roll your second one to see how bad it is or, or how good it is. And then I absolutely love the permanent versus temporary, Mm -hmm. uh, that it gives you one more chance to make it not hurt as bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's a pretty good chance, right? Usually it's on a, it's on a two up. It's mm-hmm. just temporary. And that right. means but it just gives you that uh, one more way to kind of be on the edge of your seat for what's going to happen.
1: And just to, to touch on that, like in with the new trial of champions mode, your leader still cannot die and your leader does not suffer permanent injuries.
0: So a little bit protected by the gods.
1: Yeah. I like what they do with the, uh, the artifact table. It's now it's unique. It has a lot of the same stuff as the previous lesser artifacts, but they've added some instant um, items which reward you in glory instead. So you know you may have to spend more glory on reinforcements and, and building your roster, but they also give you some ways to instantly add D6
2: or or 10 glory uh, on the artifact table, which is nice. Uh, well, there's more of them, so there's more depth there. They've added, they've added some more. They've added some instant ones. They've cleaned up the language on some of them to be a little bit more, I think, uh, close with their intention. And I think they've they've improved some other ones. Although I'm, I'm trying to do the comparison here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's less kind of stinkers on here. Although that's, I guess, up for up for debate. <laughs> I'm trying to find uh, the one that
0: lets you heal the wound.
1: Lifestone. 65.
0: 65. So it's pretty high up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, pick one fighter from your warband roster. Remove all permanent and temporary injuries from that fighter. Yeah. Um, so that's a pretty cool It does seem like you would have to have somebody on the warband who's already got that, right? You're not going to save that up for a rainy day. Um, it happens right away. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And then there's, there's another one, the Wandering Sawbones, where you find some mad chaos surgeon to kind of patch you back up, but that's only <laughs> on a four up for each individual. That's. That's, um, but
0: that's so cool that there's a, a, uh-huh. a partial version
2: of that. Yeah. yeah. And there's also there's also a few that affect the dominated territories you have. So if you have yep. like, um, a nothing of note territory, which is the one that doesn't give you any other bonuses besides the additional 50 points in your warband, um, it can give you a, a re-roll for that to find, like, an old ruins or even a hidden storm bolt. So a lot of, a lot of fun, flavorful stuff in here. A little, you know, it's definitely cranking up the dial on, like, uh, crunchiness, which is exactly what I wanted. Um, yep. You know what, though? Still more ways to crank. You know, I'm not spending half an hour <laughs> rolling dice after every game. And I, could, and I could look it up that, that you know, we could be collecting, you know, uh, Chaos Realm Stone and then trading that in based on current market values and then using that to randomly generate a store, which I can, you know.
1: No, no, you make an artifact. You can can maybe collecting components like the one Iron Golems, you create (laughs) your own artifact.
2: Um, Yeah.
0: Yep, yep. I do think, yeah, I think it is absolutely a step in the vein of Warcry in the right direction and Mm -hmm. keeps it um, faithful to kind of the the mechanics of it. Um, But there was something special about uh, that Mordheim um, table where, like, you're going to different parts of the world to do a search or do this or that, and um, so yeah, there's definitely some some interesting flavor that could be added uh, to some of these, where maybe you roll on, you, you divide some of these up into uh, different, uh, you know, some you find at the market, some you find uh, out in the world, some you have a wandering person come by, and and it could be a, a you know a second a second layer of tables uh, that you uh, that you roll to get to this table, so. Mm-hmm. There's some cool yeah. stuff.
2: And I think something that's very great that they've continued is that both pay- players do not need to be playing the same mode. Like trial champions is a choice you can make as an individual. Do I want to play this way with, you know, injuries and all these more tables or do I not? Yep. And two players can be both progressing on quests and both be playing narratively. And one can be doing trial champions. One cannot be, and they doesn't really affect each other very much at all. Yeah. I don't no, think I anybody think was... has a strong advantage or a strong disadvantage. Right. Um, you just you can still play a, a very fast fun game. Yeah. And I
1: think that's a, a great touch, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean it's
0: the philosophy that they started with and I didn't I wasn't sure how far that would go, right? Um mm-hmm. but to be able to pull off this mode and still make it, you know, a personal choice is I don't know. I mean I feel like I mean it makes total sense that, you know, you're on your quest how you get there is your option and you're going to – our warbands are going to meet and they're going to affect each other's narrative mm-hmm. um, and but and they'll affect each other's warbands if you're playing this, but it's your choice how deep you want to go. And that's mm-hmm. – it just – I think and, – and especially uh, we have been playing a little bit with the Trial of Champions. I've played four games. Um, Paven, have you played five, six games?
2: Uh, I think maybe only
0: three Really, okay,
2: yeah.
0: um, but uh, meaning that you know even in that sh- short period of time both of us have spent um, you know we've been affected by the table, we've had that roster to kind of wrestle with. Um, and we have been using the old glory system, mm-hmm. um, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but I even think like uh, and it does seem like that updates that that update to the glory system is outside of just this. Um, so I'm excited to see what it is like with that new Glory system, um, and and just kind of the, um, I guess the, the whole the whole package.
2: Um, yeah, and something else I want to say that's great about like this kind of philosophy of building this game is that if a new player wants to come in and dip their toe in, they don't have to buy all these books. They're like completely optional. Like you can just get the core rulebook and your warband, and you can play with us on. Equal footing.
3: Mm-hmm. If you want
2: to do other stuff, like if you want to have monster rules or mercenaries or do Trial of Champions, you can get these supplements, but they're not essential. And we are like completely on compatible versions of the game together, all in the store.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's pretty pretty phenomenal, and I'm enjoying it so far. Definitely. All right. Uh, any last uh, bits on the Trial of Champions? Like I, like we said, this is the thing that we were. Uh, most anticipating from this book, and so far I think we're uh, um, pretty excited about it. Anything last words on the trial champions before we move to the next section?
1: Yes, I can't wait to start it. Uh, if I finish my quest, I can start it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, let's jump into another thing that's really interesting and, and wasn't as expected: uh, the the roaming beasts. Uh, Paven, what is the roaming beasts, or what are the roaming beasts rather?
2: Um, so Roaming Beasts are, I kind of look at it as like a quality of life plus extra flavor adding to the game. So a number of twist cards and other scenarios um, require you to add a number of chaotic beasts to the game that are kind of uh, loosely controlled by each player uh, to varying degrees of effectiveness. <laughs> but, uh, adding adding um, Roaming Beasts to the, the Roaming Beast rules allows you to instead of using chaotic beasts allows you to use like different rune marks to represent them so they're just adding kind of beasts and like npcs so to speak from other factions to allow you to play with them um so for like wild cave creatures which is one group you have squigs and then you have a couple different types of trogoth um and it just allows you to play with those if you have those models as well as the another rune mark is the restless undead which is a number of um kind of death faction models that you can use instead so instead of like You know, you've, instead of your warbands disturbing like a nest of furies, you could, you know, a bunch of ghosts could have come out of like, you know, recently dug graves, or you could find a a number of Trogoths that have wandered onto the battlefield. So it allows those options. I really like it because I don't actually own any chaotic beasts currently. And so there's kind of a portion of the deck I can't use when I, you know, play at home, um, theoretically. Uh, but I do have a lot of squigs. I can always use. So now I can use my wild squigs in a, you know, in a way that I can. All of the twist cards are now available to me, and so I really like that. It also kind of feels a little bit. Um, they're just like expanding the toolbox for things you can do to tell your own stories, and this feels like a, a bit expansion of that toolbox.
1: Yeah, looks oh, like you know the restless undead would fit perfectly as roaming beasts, or in a if you're playing in the corpse rock corpse frack mausoleum for example so it's nice to have that option you know Absolutely. easily presented
0: uh, and it so it plays similarly to the current like chaotic beasts the roaming beasts um, and you're using you're trying to activate them you're rolling for the uh, the three up uh, to take control of them and take an action with them correct mm-hmm. yep cool so it um, allows you to, to skin that that rule or that mechanic in a bunch of different ways to tell different stories. All right. Um, now we get uh, to uh, updated. Uh, they do have, I guess I'll, I'll put this real quick. They do have uh, background tables for all of the uh, new war bands that Paven listed uh, previously. Uh, so there's some name generators um, and that sort of thing. I'm going to do a quick shout out. If you're on Twitter and you follow uh, at Lord underscore Celestant, he uh, names himself Jamie the Jasper. Um, he's created this website, Realm of Plastic. And on the, on the website, there's a number of different narrative things. But one of the coolest things is there's a, a set of name generators. Now, the Tome of Champions has some great D10 name generators for the Ogre Tribes, the Kradrin Overlords, and all that kind of stuff. Um and it's really cool. Um some background, some flavor, and all that kind of stuff. So if you have this book, it gives you kind of a start there. If you go to the Realm of Plastic sorry, if you go to realmofplastic.com and go to the name generator, um uh, there's Jamie has put together a ton of of cool name generators uh for AOS and 40k if you play. Um and some of the ones that he's finished are Korn, Nurgle, Skaven, Fireslayers, Ideneth Deepkin, Daughters of Cain and Overlord, Stormcast, etc. And there's more coming soon. So he's working his way through all of the different factions. And not only, uh, if you like tables, um, Paven, you should check it out because he has them out as just tables you can roll on. Or you can click a button and it will generate them over and over and over until you like something or or see something that you like. Um, I just want to put it out there. I use that for my Stormcast uh, warband that I've just created and we'll uh, talk about and I'll probably share this again uh, next week as well
1: um yeah, just so, like in the uh just like in the original book the background tables also have you can roll for origin or character traits or you know just to add more flavor narratively if you don't want to come up with it yourself yep, yep.
0: all right um why don't uh we talk real quick um josh why don't you we mentioned it a little bit ago why don't you talk mm-hmm. about the updated um uh glory rewards aftermath sequence
1: so, so one of the things they did do in Tomo Champions, which um, sh- does apply to the normal basic game, you know, uh, as long as people are, are willing to pick it up and, and use it, is uh, they did update how glory is rewarded in the aftermath sequence. So the, the only change they really made is for taking part in a campaign battle. Instead of winning one glory, you now win three glory. And in, when you win the battle, instead of winning five glory, you win two glory. And they even have a designer's commentary which which nicely explains why they decided to change it. And they said they you know they're still trying to prevent the runaway leader, and they thought that perhaps the way giving the leader too much glory didn't emphasize the 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 playstyle they wanted to encourage. So I, I think this this change would be really nice because especially if you're playing trial champions, but again, it rewards you just for playing you know more than you know winning and, and winning still gives you a bonus but it's not the main focus and i think that's a great way to, to
2: proceed with this wargry campaign sets i would also like to add and to shout out to you and eric that actually added this to our campaign before this book came out was a underdog bonus where if your opponent's warband has at least two or more dominated territories you get a bonus score yeah no
1: uh, thanks for thanks for pointing that out
0: it was uh it was definitely a welcome change. Uh, uh, when you put points down or you give people rewards for things, making sure that they're in the right place, that they match up with the things that you want to promote and encourage is important. And I think, uh, what I also like about this is that this could change, right? This could become more complex or simpler and we can experiment with it and, um, and play around with it. And it will tell us more things about, um, How are our events or campaigns, uh, what's important to us um, through these kinds of uh, charts and stuff. So while we are generally focused on narrative, um, this book also has a matched play section because people like to play match play too. Um, But there are some interesting things in here that we think that have application in narrative play and other ways of playing that are just uh, kind of uh, good ideas. Josh, why don't you walk us through the match play section?
1: Sure. So uh, the, the initial parts of the book and match play is they create some updated um, uh, deployment maps and um, pitch battles uh, you know, that you can roll for the mission. I guess they decided to just kind of tweak some of the, the missions and maps to make it a little bit more even, as, as well as uh, updating the hidden agendas that you often do in these match play uh, uh, campaigns or tournaments, I guess, would be the better way to do it. Uh, the one section that intrigued me the most is, uh, and, and I don't recall reading it in the main book, so I have to admit it's been a while. Is uh, this concept of escalation tournaments, and it's not really escalation in the terms of points, but you, you, it's a combination of tournament play and narrative play, where your warband escalates narratively throughout the the tournament, where they start with some destiny and an artifact, and uh, and continue to gain. Glory and artifacts and things throughout the day as you're doing the tournament setting, which I thought was a unique take and and a a really interesting way to combine it. I haven't explored this in depth yet, but I definitely plan to.
0: The the core rulebook did have the some hidden agendas, um, and we actually got a chance to play with some of those in a multiplayer game, Josh. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that some Age of Sigmar events run uh, tertiary, secondary, and tertiary objectives and some of them in this hidden agenda, or you've got a number of things to choose from. You pick one, you keep it a secret. You can't pick the same one twice, um, kind of thing. And it definitely adds, I think in addition to like the, the glory, um, changing the glory table in the aftermath so that you emphasis on playing the game and, and less on the winning of the game, this gives you another way to kind of win the game. Even if you don't win the main objective, like, It gives you something to narratively and uh, mechanically go after, even if you feel like outnumbered in or or outgunned in another aspect of the game. Um, And I think that that's, I think people have found that to be an important way of adding fun to a game that may feel like you have less chance than your opponent.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: The hidden agendas are easily something that could be added to a narrative. campaign or event Um, and when we found even in our narrative event we preferred matched play um, deployment uh, for the purposes of you didn't you didn't know what this you know when you know what a story is it can be fun to make that more random um, but kind of preferring that to kind of just make it you know even games for people Mm -hmm. Uh, was there anything else in here that you thought uh, would fit really well even in our narrative kind of league stuff?
1: Uh, from the match play section itself? Yeah. Well, I, I like the idea of hidden agendas. Um, you know, and, and, and again, you know, we've, we've done one multiplayer game where there's hidden agendas and it was really unique. Uh, so I think doing you know some events or uh, you know other activities where you might have a hidden agenda that's outside of your convergence specific mission or something like that could be fun. Maybe get a bonus glory if you complete it or something like that. You know.
0: And the last part of this uh, book has all of the cards from the the non chaos warbands that had cards in the previous um, had cards released in the previous kind of couple of months. That are no longer out. Can no, you know, here and there you can get these card packs, um, but they're all printed in the Tome of Champions. So if you're hoping to to play Eidyneth Deepkin or the Vanguard Chamber um, and didn't get those cards, those are printed here, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's it's nice to have them uh, all in one place and have that access. Um,
1: uh, a couple notes, so the you know some of the corrections that were made in the fac for the Warcry rulebook. Um, you know, and the cards uh, did not make it to the print, so uh, maybe you would definitely want to check the fact to make sure the values on I think it was some of the Night Hunt had some flying or something differently. Um, just just to make sure that the values are correct. And I think somebody had also pointed out to me that the Squig Herder in the Toma Champions costs 195 points, which I don't think is his normal value. Um, in the original cards, so that I think that's a printing error.
0: Yep. That's a good thing to point out. Yeah, that this uh, uh, it, from one of the interviews on Stormcast or no, I think it was one of the Warhammer TV kind of interviews uh, with with uh, Sam Pearson was that they that does seem to that they're going to have some plans to to maybe uh, affect either point values or stats values on these cards in the future. So there could be some changes that that uh, make this kind of print more valuable. Mm -hmm. that's that wraps up kind of everything that's inside of the tome of champions. Um, do you guys have any kind of last minute thoughts or anything that we've covered that you just want to go back and touch on or wax poetic about, or kind of draw out this episode longer for our viewers (laughs) and listeners?
2: That's a great book. We're great. I can't wait to see what happens in the future. You're in Madison. Come play us with us on Thursdays.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Josh? Do you have any, uh, Josh, do you have any last minute thoughts?
1: Uh, I, I just like to, uh, to say I really enjoy the new tools that they're giving us to play the game in different ways, the new challenge quests. Definitely looking forward to trying out some of the new war bands and, um, and the new faded quests that are in the book. And uh, you know, I'm glad that our, our league has ended and we're currently going to have a few weeks to try out some challenge battles and, and monsters and things like that. So I'm looking forward to some of those actions.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to echo all of that. There's plenty in this to kind of uh, keep us going. Excited to eventually get into some of these things. uh, And very excited to continue through the Trial of Champions. So I think it's time to put a muzzle on this episode. If it was a good, good dog, support the show with a positive review on iTunes. Sharing it with friends, joining us for hobby discussions at themortorealms.com forward slash discord, or leave a tip at themortorealms.com forward slash patreon. More content is available at themortorealms.com and on Twitter at Dogs of Warcry.